What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday, June 6, 2019. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host of CBS Sports' daily NFL show. We're closer and closer to, um, I guess we're closer to the regular season. Every day is one day closer to the regular season. That's technically counts. Um, we're going to do some news today. Then we will uh, talk about some AFC South over-unders, give you my picks for those. And then Zach Kiefer of the Indianapolis Star is going to join us for a little bit of a deep dive on the Colts this offseason. A couple of pieces of news. Not much going on right now. Some teams in many camps, of course. Uh, uh, interesting, Jason Lockenfora, NFL insider for CBS Sports, reported that Redskins star left tackle Trent Williams is not skipping, as we talked about yesterday. He's not skipping because of contractual issues. He's skipping because he doesn't want to play for the Redskins. Good for you, buddy. Um, not so good for Jay Gruden. Not so good for the Redskins. This is a uh, nightmare scenario. I don't know if, if this is just a, an escalated contract contractual demand situation or if he actually doesn't want to play for the Redskins and just will refuse to play for them this year. And if it's the latter... Washington is is uh, up the proverbial creek because it's going to be tough to get a first round pick for for a guy like Williams. I, I think. I mean, maybe maybe the Browns are giving the twenty twenty first round pick to get a, actually get a left tackle. He's got two years left on his deal, so we don't know whether he would want a new contract with whatever team he lands with. Um, you know, we don't know whether he's willing to walk away and retire. We don't know if the Redskins are willing to play chicken with him. Um, you know. The, there are not a lot of great offensive linemen out there, and Trent, Trent Williams is one of them. So the, potentially, you know, there's some there's some action here. If you could, I, I, I guess, I it's man, this is a bad situation for for the Redskins, who were quite frankly, you know, not going to be a good team this year. I, I don't think. I mean, if everything broke right, and the Redskins. You know, got, if everything broke right, maybe Washington could pull it off. Um, it is just hard to do given all the things that they have to deal with in terms of their offense and a rookie quarterback and, um, you know, just, it's just hard to imagine them being good this year and, it's even harder to imagine them being good without Trent Williams playing a full season. So that could be a little tricky for Washington. Uh, the uh, beer chugging, the nature of the beer chugging uh, battle between uh, NFL quarterbacks continues on unabated. Now Aaron Rodgers has stepped up and said, um, for some of them, there's finally a talent where they can say that they're better than me. Ouch, Aaron. That's tough, man. He's blasting, uh, he's blasting here. We actually have sound of it too, I think. So if you want to hear it. What I said, you know, if you want to go, yeah, I kind of said what I, what I said, you know, if you want to go Scott, I feel pretty good about it. As far as those other guys, you know, uh, you know, for some of them, there, there's finally a, a talent where they can, you know, they can say they're better than me. Yeah. <laughs> in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion, he's very tongue in cheek as he says it, but, but he, He's not kidding. Like he means it. Finally, somebody like somebody like Mitchell Trubisky can say, "I'm better than Aaron Rodgers at something." Um, and I don't scotch. We choke scotch. Who chokes scotch? 
Scotch is for sipping. Also for adults, I prefer bourbon. If you're, if you're mailing stuff, I got some stuff to mail out. I'll, I'll get it out this week. I promise. Nobody believes me. It's fine. I'll get it out this week. Yeah, Adrian Peterson wants to run for 2,000 rushing yards this year. Uh, that's the same total he's wanted to rush for every year for the past 12 years. So nothing new on that front. Daniel Jones, according to our Pete Prisco, impressing in his first Giants minicamp. Look out, Eli. He's coming for your job. And uh, Le'Veon Bell had $500,000 in jewelry stolen. Not great. Not ideal. Oh, the Raiders and Packers are headed to uh, Canada for a 2019 NFL preseason game. So that's exciting stuff. Uh, that is essentially the news. There's people explaining why Odell Beckham skipped OTAs. I don't care. It's voluntary. I don't care. Nobody else should care. Um, oh, the, uh, the Steelers could cut Artie Burns at some point before training camp. Former first round pick, Artie Burns. Let's get to, let's get down to business. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the AFC South really quickly and then we'll get to Zach Kiefer. So this is to me one of the more, I don't know, it's interesting divisions. I, I hope you listened. Um, I think I said this previously. If I didn't, apologies. Uh, the Colts at one point were plus money to win the division. If you could still get them for plus money to win the division, you should jump all over it. Uh, I jumped all over it on Wednesday, very early Wednesday morning, and the line moved and it's now, they're now minus 120. I'm not saying I moved the line. I'm just saying that like there was a, a, a perhaps an erroneous, uh, uh, a line out there. So I highly recommend if you can find it at plus money to take it. I think the best team in the division, pretty wide margin. Um, and if you bet on last year, if you listen to this podcast, you would have heard Warren Sharp say to take the Colts, it's like six and a half over under, and they smashed that. Now here's the problem. Every team in this division, if you look at it, the under is, is juiced. Some of it's because the numbers are a little high, but I think it's mostly because the, every team in the AFC South has to play the NFC South and the AFC West. Now, it's possible that the Chiefs are worse than we thought and the Chargers struggle because the Chargers are Chargers and the Broncos stink and the Panthers aren't very good because Cam Newton is hurt and the Buccaneers are terrible again. All of that is possible. Um, but right now, I think those would be the two toughest divisions to play if you're talking about top to bottom, maybe NFC North you could put in there. The point being is that the AFC South while it had two playoff teams last year and could still have two playoff teams this year is more likely a, a division where we see a nine and seven winner in my opinion right now. I just think and that's a That's what Vegas thinks too. Uh, with the Colts win total 10 over plus one five under minus one twenty five. We'll talk about them in depth. Uh, was that key in a minute, but I do think this is one of the best rosters top to bottom in football. I think Chris Ballard's done an incredible job building that roster. Uh, the defense took a step forward last year. It could take another step forward th- uh, in the coming season. Um, added Justin Houston in, in the offseason, Rock Sand in the draft. Frank Reich is a guy that I trust as far as a head coach who I think will get the most out of his team. Andrew Luck is finally has a healthy offseason. T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Devin Funches, Eric Ebron, that's a nice core pass catchers. I am all in on Marlon Mack this year. If you're drafting in a fantasy league and you think you're getting Marlon Mack, you're not. If you're if you're in the league with me, 
I've got, I got him in the fourth round of a mock draft with, with CBS fantasy folks, uh, on, on Wednesday. Stunned by that. He's, he, he's going to win leagues. He was a monster down the stretch last year. Um, I guess there are reasons why this team could melt down and fall apart, but I think they have a pretty high floor. I'm going to take the over here, but man, I, when I did my sim, which is me running through the schedule and in my brain, picking out games, it's a high level mathematical formula. Um, I ended up going over, but most, most of the time I was pushing at 10. So I don't think it's a, like, I think it's going to be pretty close. I think all these, I don't know if you can, again, I would bet on the Colts to win the division. I like that. I don't know if I can bet on anybody to, uh, anybody to like smash and over here. I would not be taking the over on any one of these teams because as you're, as you're going to hear, you know, the, the over is pretty high for all of them. Um, they you know, they're fairly good. All these teams have been good in the last couple of years. And you look at the Colts, they open up at the Chargers, at the Titans. That's not easy. Falcons and Raiders at home and then at the Chiefs on uh, Sunday Night Football before their week six bye. Like, it wouldn't stun me if the Colts were one and four. I mean, they could lose the first two on the road, lose to the Falcons at home, beat the Raiders at home, and then lose to the Chiefs on the road. That's possible. I mean, they started out one and five last year. They play the Saints on the road. The three of their last four on the road at the Buccaneers, at the Saints, Panthers at home, and at the Jaguars. They have the Steelers on the road in week nine. It's a tough schedule, man. It wouldn't stun me. And, and as Zach is going to point out in a second, there's a bunch of, a bunch of good quarterbacks on the schedule. So it would not stun me at all if the Colts ended up with nine wins, but I could still, still see them winning the division with nine wins. So there you go. Uh, Texans, eight and a half wins over under pretty low for the Texans. And the over is plus 120. The under is minus 140. That would, that was stunning to me. Um, I, I, I mean, I thought that would be higher. I just, I just thought that given that we've seen Bill O'Brien's teams win, you know, the AFC South multiple years in a row, or at least, you know, put up nine or 10 win seasons multiple years in a row, it would be higher. They went 11 and five. Their expected win loss was 10, 10.2. So you're not talking about, I mean, they over, they outperformed it by 0.8 wins, but it wasn't, it can crap. I mean, it went insane. Uh, remember this is a team that started 0 and 3, won two games in overtime, and then proceeded to win, uh, seven more games. So they won nine straight games before losing to the Colts, uh, in week 14, dropping one of the Eagles in week 16, holding on to win the division, and then getting blasted by the Colts, uh, at home in the wild card round. When you look at them, there's a lot to like, uh, stars and scrubs roster. They have, of course, Deshaun Watson. Potential, I think he's an MVP candidate. I mean, he's an incredible quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins, maybe the best wide receiver in the game. Will Fuller, star. Kike Kute, underrated in terms of what he, what they lost in offense when he, when he was gone. Uh, JJ Watt, Whitney Merciless, Javon Clowney, Zach Cunningham, Benedrick McKinney, Benardrick McKinney. I can't pronounce things this morning. Um, you know, they, they got players. Secondary's a little questionable. Like the like the front seven though. They gotta be healthy. I mean that's the thing. It's like if you know if JJ Watt or Merciless or Clowney goes down, it's a team that could be in trouble. So that's one, one that's one of the things I think you worry about with this team is it's so top heavy that what you know, what is gonna happen if some of these stars get injured? It could be a big problem for this team. So um that's one concern for the Houston Texans. 
Also concerning their schedule, they open up at the Saints, Jaguars at home, at the Chargers, Panthers at home, Falcons at home, at the Chiefs, at the Colts, Raiders at home, at the Jaguars, and then take your breath in week 10 for the bye. That's really hard, man. That's a really hard schedule. There's nothing free on there. I mean, maybe the Raiders in week eight at home, but I just, I mean, I think Oakland's going to be better. So they're getting two divisional, three, three divisional games, two on the road and road games against the Saints, Chargers, Chiefs in their first nine games. Fortunately for them, after the bye, they get the Ravens in week 11 on the road. That's could be a loss. The Colts at home. And the Patriots at home, both of those games Thursday night against the Colts and then um, uh, Sunday night against the Patriots. So have fun with that, guys. They're going to play the Titans twice in the final three weeks of the season and one game against the Buccaneers on the road. This is a, a really hard schedule. I mean, this this is a really hard schedule. So I ended up going under for them when I did the when I did the schedule. Um, I think I had eight and eight, but nine and seven could easily be there. I, I like it with the plus money and given how good Deshaun Watson has been for this team and how good he's been in his whole career and how Bill O'Brien keeps finding ways to win this division despite who, whatever, whatever he has at quarterback. Um, you know, I was talking with RJ White about this. I don't want to give away RJ's picture or anything, but he, he, he pointed out the Texans to me. He thinks could be good value three to one to win the division. Not bad at all. Probably get, probably only gonna get higher as the cold type picks up. Um, and then, you know, again, plus, if you're getting plus money, you don't have to pay juice on that total. That win total is pretty good. Uh, I, I end up going under there. Um, of course, I'm a Titans hammer. Speaking of the Titans, win total eight over is plus 110, under is minus 130. And by the way, with the, with the Texans, I got concerns about that offensive line. Deshaun Watson's torn his ACL twice in the last two years, and he got banged around so bad he had to ride a freaking bus to a Jaguars game last year. So if, if he can't be protected, that concerns me greatly. Titans over eight, plus 110, under minus 130. Again, when you look at this schedule, it is rough. The Titans... Uh, I like with the tight, I think one of the unknowns with, I, I really like Tennessee's defense. Maybe as much as anybody in this division, you know, obviously outside of Jacksonville. Um, I, I just think that Tennessee's defense is one of those underrated units. And by the way, Tennessee, uh, greatly outperformed their, uh, expected win total to, I mean, not greatly, by .8, same as the, the Texans. Nine and seven, 8.2 expected win loss based on last year. Um, I think the beautiful music from my alarm is playing. Um, gonna be a hot one today. The, uh, the Tennessee Titans. I just think when you look at what they've done defensively in terms of putting pieces, like you add Cameron Wake as a one year pass rusher. Harold Landry is there, who I think is going to be a breakout player. Got some questions at linebacker, maybe, but the secondary is very good. Jarrell Casey remains really underrated. Dean Pease is back for another year. He gets the most out of these guys. Rashawn Evans uh, came on strong down the stretch last year. Um, I think that this defense could be an underrated unit, an underrated top 10, top 5 unit. Offensively, there are questions. Arthur, Arthur Smith, first year as the coordinator there uh, on offense. Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, who's going to be the guy that gets the most snaps? 
I think that's a fair question. Derrick Henry, is he going to be the guy we saw down the stretch last year? Or is he going to be the guy we saw for the first year and a half of his career where it was more sporadic? I mean, that that's a difference maker, right? Is this offensive line going to be legit? Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis, and A.J. Brown and Tajay Sharp, is that a good, along with uh, Johnny Smith and Delaney Walker still somehow, uh, is that a good pass-catching core? I, I don't know. It could be. I mean, seriously, like, I don't, I don't think you can know. Again, this is a team that's going to play the Texans twice in the final three weeks of the season. Uh, as the NFL.com schedule page points out, Texans matchups could determine season. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at the overrunner for the Texans and the Titans, you're basically wondering who's going to be the better team at the end of the year and who's going to win. You know, if, if that, if, if one of those teams sweeps the other team, then that probably flips the overrunner either way. Uh, for the, for these guys, they start out with three or four on the road. Not great, Bob. At the Browns, Colts at home, at the Jaguars, at the Falcons. That's a, that's a potential 0 and 4 start for the Titans and a potential 1 and 4, 1 and 3 start. I mean, you know, however you want to phrase it, 2 and 2 is a really nice work beating, you know, if you go 2 and 2 out of the gate, good job by you, uh, Mike Vrabel. Bills at home, at the Broncos, Chargers at home, sheesh. Buccaneers at home, at the Panthers, and the Chiefs at home before their week 11 bye. My goodness. Now, the good news is that things get a little bit easier on the, on the back end. Jaguars at home, at the Colts, at the Raiders. I'm not sure they do. Texans at home, Saints at home, at the Texans. Okay. I'm not, I, I got the eight wins and took the over. I'm not sure I like it. This, ugh. don't bet on this. I mean, this is just, that's rough, man. That is, it's just a rough schedule. Three of eight, three of their eight home games are against the Chargers, Chiefs, and Saints. Those aren't even division teams. As, as I wrote in my piece, I'm going to take the over here, but I, be, because I believe in this team, but I don't love it. Uh, and then finally, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Win total is eight. The over is plus one teen, one, one teen, 115, and the under is minus 135. Again, you're, you you will notice a theme with these teams. The win total is maybe a little bit higher than than you believe, but like they can't set these teams at, at seven and a half or, or you know seven. Like it, people would hammer the over, and with good reason, right? Um, Jacksonville, of course, we all know they made the big change. They brought in Nick Foles. They got rid of uh, Blake Bortles. Defensively, they, they pretty much brought everybody back. Let's not forget this team was three and one out of the gates last year, beat the Patriots, got to two and oh, lost to the Titans in a six to nine game. Nice. And then beat the Jets at home and then absolutely cratered after they beat the Jets at home on September 30th. They did not win another football game until December 2nd. Trash team. Um, finished five and 11. You know, I, I was about to say Doug Marone was fired, but he wasn't fired. <laughs> How was Doug Marone not fired? Their expected win loss was 5.7. So they underperformed it, but, but not by an insane amount. Um, John DeFilippo now in as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, this is one of the standard, they didn't even fire Todd Wash, the defensive coordinator, which is impressive considering how bad the defense was. Uh, everybody's pretty much back, right? Donna Ngakwe, Marcel Darius, Calais Campbell. Telvin Smith is going to be missing. Uh, he took a leave of absence. That's a big concern. Miles Jack will be back, middle linebacker, presumably, in the, in this scheme this year. Josh Allen, they got with their first round pick, a very nice selection. Jalen Ramsey, AJ Bouye, 
I mean, there's, you, you expect this team to be pretty good, right? Um, offensively, it's going to come down to the offensive line, I think. You know, they got some consistency there. Andrew Norwell, Cam Robinson, Brandon Lindor, uh, Brandon Linder, AJ Cannon, Will Richardson. I mean, this is a pretty consistent offensive line. Pass catching weapons, I don't know about. Marquise Lee, DD Westbrook, Terrell Pryor, they just signed. Who knows if he makes the team? Keelan Cole and DJ Chark, along with Chris Conley. I mean, that's not a 2007 Patriots situation for Nick Foles. It's enough there. And, and, and the games, they're going to lean on Leonard Fournette and hope Foles can make plays down the field. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's not, it's not a great unit. And, uh, worth noting that the Jaguars finished 27th in adjusted games lost last year after being sixth the year before. So, you know, that is certainly, uh, you know, they can expect a little bit of bounce back luck, maybe to the, to the mean could, could even be better in terms of injuries in, in adjusted games lost. Excuse me. Um, their schedule also concerning. They open up with the Chiefs at home. Not ideal. Four of their first Nine games are on the road. It's not really unusual. But one of the home games is a 9.30 a.m. London game against the Texans. So they have four home games in their first nine games. Those games are against the Chiefs, Titans, Saints, and Jets. They have to hold serve in those games because they're at the Texans in week two, at the Broncos in week four, at the Panthers in week five, and at the Bengals in week seven. I can see them stealing one or two of those games if they're playing really good football, but they're going to have to hold serve and take care of business in London because when they get back from London, week 11 is at the Colts and week 12 is at the Titans. Those are divisional games. They can win those games on the road, but they're tough matchups. Then they get the Buccaneers, Chargers, at the Raiders, at the Falcons, and the Colts at home again. I, look, if Nick Foles is, is, is above average and he's playoff Nick Foles for them and Leonard Fournette has a big bounce back and the defense, uh, you know, plays at the level that it played out in 2017, then this team can, can be dangerous. I just don't see it happening. I'm going to take the under on eight wins here. So I went over Colts, under Texans, over Titans. Under Jaguars, and I don't feel good about any of these overs. If you could parlay these unders and just hope that it's like nine and seven wins the division, and then eight and eight is is the rest of them, you could actually make some, you know, and hope the Titans and Jaguars are seven and nine. You could make some pretty good money there. Let's go talk about the Colts with Zach Kiefer after this break. Being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes. It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, joining us now, as promised, from the Indy Star, an excellent read, an excellent follow on Twitter, Zach Kiefer. Zach, what's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm great, Will. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been too long since we've hung out. Um, you are we, are, we are fortunately in the, in the, like, in the middle of this quasi-dead period that will soon become the dead period, and then we'll hur- hurdle right towards, uh, you've got a, you've got the same situation I do. Stay at home dad. It's like, there's like no looking back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like enjoy it while you have it because after what July twentieth, July twenty fifth, it's like the end January. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, pretty well, and it could even be February for the Indianapolis Colts, which I think is sort of the most interesting team in the AFC South. And I started I started thinking about it. I was on I did Dave Damashek's pod uh, with Nick Costos and the other day, and he mentioned how the Colts were plus money to win the division in some places, and it reminded me that. They weren't, in fact, the prohibitive favorite, but I, I kind of think going in, based on what's happened in the last year and based on what's happened this offseason, the Colts kind of should be the prohibitive favorite. Do you tend to agree? I do in the division, and I'm not ready to jump on the next step, which is a lot of what I've been hearing this offseason is that they're the, they're the team to beat in the AFC. I just, I'm not ready to go that far. Whoa. But, yeah, I'm going, I'm going the AFC South, and here's why. The team that won it last year, the Houston Texans, I mean, the Colts went down there in December and beat them up. And once, you know, they had to win the game and they won. And then they did the same thing in the divisional round in Houston's building. Um, and that really, I mean, that was very obvious who the better team was. And so the Colts, on top of that, they're returning, you know, it depends on who you want to ask, but like 21 of 22 starters. And I'm not even, I'm willing to go 22 because, you know, Ryan Grant, the one receiver who's not back, wasn't even a starter midseason. I don't really care what the depth chart said. Um, everybody came back. I mean, every free agent they wanted to bring back, they brought back. That says a lot about what they're sort of building here. And they added two key pieces, one on offense, one on defense. Justin Houston, obviously the pass rusher from Kansas City, comes over, and he's looked really good so far. I know they're not playing football right now. They're in shorts and all that. He's looked really good. He's sort of blended in seamlessly. And then Devin Funches, who I'm sort of waiting to see more of, um, the, the big, tall, wide receiver from Carolina who kind of had a, a long, you know, an exit from the Panthers that was um, sort of agreed upon by both sides. I think both sides were ready to move in different directions. Um, and, look, I mean, Funches got into it with Kobe Brissett a week ago in minicamp. Really? Me, OTAs. I mean, they were not happy with each other. Um, and so I tweeted about it, and I got a lot of feedback from Panthers fans who did not seem surprised. So that's <laughs> going to be something to watch. Um, but the roster 
in every sense of what they're trying to do here is better than last year because everybody came back and they added a couple key pieces. So I'm buying them in the AFC South. Yeah, the Funches thing is interesting, and um, I was one of the people who jumped like when 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 that signing happened. I was one of the people who was like, "What the hell? Like you signed Devin Funches to this?" But I do think you know when you look at the actual numbers of it, and it's a one year deal. They have tons of salary cap space. They needed a bigger body opposite T Y Hilton. Um, I mean, he's right. ba- he's basically right. like a slightly faster, maybe slightly slower Eric Ebron. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they had, they had Paris Campbell in the draft. So, I mean, it's, it's not at the end of the day, it's a one year deal for a guy who had enough upside to go in the second round with Carolina. But yeah, Panthers fans are not fond of Devin Funches mainly because for a long time, Cam Newton was throwing at, at, at Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. And that's what the offense revolved around. And they're still bitter about it. And that's, that's okay. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, I guess, I mean, when I look at this team, what amazes me, and I know that you've written about this and it, or at least you've written about Chris Ballard and his personality and how, uh, and how he's really kind of changed the culture there, not just being a a good GM, but being honest. But I mean, like he's changed the culture, but he's changed this roster. I mean, this was the softest roster in football maybe three years ago, and it is it is full of a bunch of tough dudes, which is kind of shocking to see that turnaround, right? Yeah, and it's funny. That's a good point you make because, I mean, we've talked to Chris Ballard about this, and, and like, he said, look, on day one, I, I could look at the tape, and, and I realized we needed to have a complete overhaul on defense. The defense was old. It was a lot of guys that were signed off the, you know, free agent market, Um and it, it just cost them game after game in 2016. This was a team that Luck was carrying by himself on a bum shoulder. And this guy was taking pain-killing shots and trying to get to Sunday, uh, barely practicing in that 2016 season. It was a mess, and a lot of people didn't know how bad it was. Um, he's retooled everything. And then the crazy part is I've, I've watched this team for a long time, and in the Manning days it was always the offense that carried – this team, right? And it was the aerial attack and it was Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and obviously Manning was the center. But you saw them when they got hot last year, they were winning in a completely different way. Mm. Now, Luck was great and T.Y. was great and he was playing on one ankle and that was really impressive. But in their best games, when they beat Dallas late in the season, they killed them. I think it was like 23 zip and then they beat up Houston twice. They did it with this run game that I haven't seen in like two decades. Like going back (laughs) to the days of Edger and James. And it starts with the guy they drafted sixth overall last year. I mean, Quentin Nelson, like, literally changed this thing from day one. Like, he's a rookie, and I get that, but, like, first-team all-pro as a guard, as a rookie, I mean, everything changed. They went from, like, 56 sacks in 2017, the league high, to the league low last year. And it's obviously more complicated than just, like, sack numbers, right? Right. Um, But they just completely changed their identity. So that goes to what you were saying. Like, they went from this finesse, like, can luck do it all himself to like, Oh wow. Like they're actually kind of balanced. And then you throw in a guy like 53 Darius Leonard on defense. Who's just really freaking fast. Also, a tackle first, anything. also a first team. All pro. Yeah. I mean, so, like, good, good you job, know, all you got to do to turn things around is draft two all pros <laughs> and, and as rookies. And then, and then you're good. But yeah, I mean, that was the craziest part is they really changed the identity. Um, and, and they're, and they're all in on the run game this year. So don't be surprised if you see, Frank Reich going more to the run early in the season than you might expect with a team with Andrew Luck at quarterback and all these weapons around him. Well, that that was going to be my next question, actually. So good, good job by you for the for foreshadowing or just or oh just, the segue before I even knew it was coming. Right? Yeah, you basically answered it. I mean, I just think that like you saw, 
I, I think people are sort of down on, on Marlon Mack a little bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Um, they're not down on Marlon Mack. They just don't look at him as like a true bell cow or anything like that. But in reality, this is a guy that down the stretch was absolutely dominant in the run game. He looked like a physical runner. Um, and they had the complimentary weapons there, adding Spencer Ware. Jordan Wilkins was the fifth round pick from last year. And then, uh, my boy Naheem Hines, which reminded me when we hung out at the, uh, at the NC State Pro Day, we thought the Colts might take Bradley Chubb. As it turns out, they were right. I didn't spend a second watching Naheem Hines that day, and I and look now, I should have. Right, 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 right. Well, I and maybe the Colts. Do you? And looking back, do you think the Colts would have taken Bradley Chubb over Quentin Nelson, or would they have gone Nelson over Chubb? They would have thought long and hard about it. Mm. I know that for a fact. Um, they really, really like Chubb, sure. and I could see that. I could see them making that move simply because you probably value the position higher than a left guard. But I, think, I know they're really happy with Quentin Nelson. Um, but when the Browns made the pick that they did and they knew they were going to get one of those two, I know there were, you know, hands slapped and exclamation points. I mean, they, they were pumped when they knew they were getting one of those two. Right. Would have been completely different this year at the top of the draft because they did not rate this first round nearly as well as they did a year ago. So funny how that worked out. But I'm with you on Marlon Mack. I don't think a lot of people are. I don't think a lot of people watch him in terms of, I think maybe just the fantasy world just sees his stats. But look, I mean, Jim Irsay is, is prone to saying some outlandish things. And before the season last year, he said, I think Marlon Mack's a 1,500-yard guy. We all kind of snickered and just said, that's just Jim Irsay being Jim Irsay. Right. Marlon Mack, minus the hamstring injury last year, if you extrapolate his stats over 16 games, he's a 1,500-yard guy. He was that good. I mean, he had 100-yard games late in the season in December. And then in the playoffs, I think he had a playoff record for the Colts wow. in that game against Houston. Now he's running behind a good line. But this is sort of a sneaky guy, I think, going into this NFL season on the, on the national stage. I think Marlon Mack's really good. I know Frank Reich really buys him, too. Um, and, and with Naheem, I don't even think of Naheem as a running back. They use him as a scat back. He's going to catch a lot of passes. They use him all over the place. Um, so that means Marlon could get more carries this year. And the other layer of this, which is enormous for the first time in like four or five years, the Colts have every offensive lineman coming back in the same spot. You know, we don't have to write about position battles on the offensive line, which we've been doing for 10 years when they try to figure this thing out. Every spot is back, and they're really good at this inside three spots. They're really good with Nelson at left guard. I think Ryan Kelly is probably one of the more underappreciated centers in football. Sure. I, think, I think Andrew Luck thinks he's most underappreciated. <laughs> um, and then they got Mark Lewinsky, who's not a big name, but like, was great in the run game last year, and they gave him a big fat contract. I think it was like three years for eighteen million. Um, that proves that. And then they got Braden Smith at right tackle from Auburn, who was a absolute revelation last year because they drafted him at guard. And they got Costanzo at left tackle, who's been there forever and um, has played his best football the last two years. So I think this line coming back as one unit is is key. They were among the best in football last year, at keeping the quarterback clean. I think this year. The next step is to be top five in rushing. I think that's a big goal, and that means a lot of more touches and a lot more points for Marlon Mack. Mm. Okay, well, that that is – yeah, I, I've been drafting him in like the third or fourth round of fan, in these fantasy mock drafts we've been doing. I felt great about it. I, I think I think that <laughs> I would anticipate that he climbs a little bit higher as the season gets closer. But, yeah, I mean, I think – sorry, so what is what is Frank Reich's ideal game plan look like in terms of comparing Marlon Mack's carries to Andrew Luck's pass attempts? I mean, is it like a, he'd love to keep Andrew Luck under 25 or 25 to 30? What do you think? 
I'm thinking 25 to 30. If you remember early last season, they were just, just like oh, killed by injuries. He was, he was, was, he was averaging like, like, he was, he was averaging like 55 was, pass attempts a game. It was like 45 and then it was like 50 and then it was like 58 against the Patriots, but they didn't even have it. They didn't even have enough healthy bodies to play that game. They were like, I think they had like 15 inactives, like even more than you're even allowed or something. It was crazy. Um, he was throwing to guys that were literally just like signed off the street. Um, so they just had to throw it to survive essentially. And Frank would just come in every Monday and be like, I'm, we can't keep throwing it this much. So he knew he is not one of those quarterbacks who become a coach who just wants to throw it a million times. And he's made it look Frank for Frank is just honest. Like he doesn't tell you a ton, but when he says something, it's, it's actually based in conviction. And so he said this multiple times, both at the combine in February owners meetings in March. And since we've talked to him in April and May and June, He's like, look, the run game is the focus this year. So he's going to try and get, I don't know if bell cow status is the goal for Marlon Mack, but they're going to try and really focus on that and dial it back for Andrew. And if you give Andrew, one, time, and two, a run game, those are things he's never had in his career Mm -hmm. until late last season. And, I mean, this guy was, what, you know, third or fourth in probably the MVP race last year? Yeah. He definitely wasn't going to win it, but this year – if he's able to be more efficient with a with a healthy run game, I, I'm really confident in saying that he could be very much in the MVP MVP conversation. Well, he's the number two. He's the second favorite behind uh, Patrick Mahomes in in terms of like the betting market. I, uh, by the way, I just I just did the splits real quick. First six weeks of the season, Andrew Luck averaged 48 pass attempts per game. 53, 53, 31, 40, 62, 59, 43. Colts went one and five. And in the, uh, the final, I guess it would be 10 games. He averaged 35 pass attempts a game and the Colts went nine and one down the stretch, but they're only lost that ugly. I mean, is there no, is there no more telling stat? Yeah. I mean, the line was, was not healthy and they got Costanzo back and they got, um, you know, Braden Smith solidified himself at right tackle like week five, week six. They played Buffalo at home, and I remember thinking, if they lose, they go to one and six, and and, and they lose to Buffalo. And I think, gosh, I can't even remember who the quarterback was. It's that journeyman who's played for like sixteen of the NFL teams. Uh, um, for the, but for the that's Bills? the day they. Let's see. I'll tell you. I know he played for the oh, man. I'm totally blanking. Yeah, they played so many backup quarterbacks last year. You're fine. Um, um it, oh, it was Derek Anderson. Oh, there you go. There yeah, you go. Yeah. That's, that's you. So, like, if they would have lost that game, I would have been like, I don't even know what to make of this team. Because they yeah. were actually playing pretty well despite losing all these games. But that was the day they sort of really dug into the the ground game, and it really it really turned things for them. Um, so I think that's going to be the template moving forward. But then again, it's like, why drive Andrew, you know, why have Andrew Luck and not throw it 30 times a game? I can see that point, too. Yeah, but Andrew, I mean, like, but at Stanford, I mean, his bread and butter was – you know, running a, a pro style run heavy offense and then taking play action shots down the field. So, I mean, it's working. It works with the Seahawks too. So maybe it works. One of the other things that, that I think is interesting, you mentioned the, like the, cause I think this goes a little bit underrated when people look at, okay, who can have a great year and really take a step forward? I think when people look at, like to me, consistency across multiple like levels, like you mentioned the offensive line, I think that's enormous. But the other thing that I think is consistent too is the coaching staff. And Matt, Matt Eberflus is back again as defensive coordinator. I, I think he could have easily been assistant coach of the year. How, how right. good, what's the upside of this defense in, in his second season? Or third season, I guess. Yeah, I, that's what I'm really, really excited to watch in a lot of levels because Eberflus did a fantastic job. I mean, we they were walking in. I mean, this is a guy that Frank didn't even hire. Remember? I mean, let's let's talk about how bizarre that was. Frank did not hire his own defensive coordinator. 
Yeah. He was a holdover <laughs> from the Josh McDaniel fiasco. And Eberflus killed it. I mean, with the defense, we didn't know anything about this unit. There's one guy left from the Ryan Gerson era as a starter on defense, and that's Clayton Gathers, and he's back on a one-year deal. So he's not even a long-term guy at this point. He could be, but he's battled a lot of injuries. That tells you, going back to your early point, how much Ballard has remade this entire roster, especially on defense. Um, but you've got a breakout star in Darius Leonard. You've got a guy in Kenny Moore who's completely underappreciated. Um, he's just fantastic. He sort of embodies this underdog mentality about this unit they got a lot of guys who were really fast and they like to play like that but here's my question that 2019 is going to answer for us is can they do it consistently against the very very best quarterback because mm. they didn't have much success against them in 2018 they they lost to brady in new england on a thursday night they didn't have leonard and they didn't play that bad um so i'm willing to wash that one out but the only other quarterback i'm talking like the very best that they saw was Mahomes in the playoffs, and he tore him apart in the first half. This year is not going to be like that. They're not going to be seeing, like, you know, Dak Prescott and, and Eli Manning, who's, you know, 40 years old in December. They're going to be seeing, like, Matt Ryan early, Phillip Rivers early. They see Mahomes. Um, they're going to see some of the very, very best quarterbacks who are able to pick teams apart. That's the real question for this sort of Russian cover defense that played really well last year and deserves a lot of credit. Um but that's sort of the barometer in this league, right? Can you do it against the cream of the crop quarterbacks? That's what's going to be the most interesting thing about me for this defense in 2019. Yeah, that's a good point because, like, like you said, they played they got they played Watson twice. He's in the division, of course. They played Brady. They got Carson Wentz early when he was kind of banged up. Um, that was his first game back, and he wasn't quite himself. And it was in the rain, so it wasn't really the yeah. ideal situation for quarterbacks. That's right. That's right. No, that's a good point. Um, and then actually on NFL.com's schedule page, it's QB showdowns aplenty for Indianapolis. So it's at the Chargers. There at you the, go. At the Titans, Falcons, Raiders, Chiefs. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a murderer's row before a week six bye. Three on the road and two at home. Um, do you, is, it, is it unfair to expect regression at all? I mean, like, where do you see this team taking a step back? Because I think it's I think it's unfair to just assume that all right, well, good team, good roster, everything's making a leap forward. Is there anywhere this team could potentially take a step back? Yeah, that's a good question. I could totally see this team having the same exact record, ten and six, but hmm. being better this year. Hmm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. because of it's gonna be a tougher schedule and it's gonna be tough to go into a place like Kansas City and win. It's gonna be tough to go into whatever they call the stadium in LA right now and win against <laughs> a good Chargers team in week one. Um, but that's a scary thought because there's not a lot of areas where I see regression. And I think in Indianapolis, especially the last month or two, right, it's, it's that quiet May period where the talk shows need something to talk about and sort of the hype builds. And, and, and I got asked on the radio the other day, 13 wins? And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. You know, they were one in five last year to start. And, and I get that everyone's back and this is the first healthy offseason Andrew Lux had in five years. Um, but this is not how it always works in this league. You know, just when you think the team's ready to take the next step, they go back. Now, they have a good draft class. We're going to see how this plays out, but um, that just makes me sort of in the back of my mind worry a little bit about all, you know, the praise and the hype that's being shouldered on this team last year. I think it was good that they were under the radar to start last season. I think that was good for Frank, for sure. really good for Andrew, really good for this defense that was really young and unproven. 
it's going to be completely different this year. And remember, the Cleveland Browns are coming for training camp for a couple of days, and that's going to be a circus. Well, fortunately, the Browns will uh, will cover up any hype that the Colts might potentially get in the AFC. Right. The Browns are like, you guys think you have hype? Wait, well, welcome to, 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 to the Browns nation. I know. It's crazy. It's like we're talking about this Duke. It's like breathlessly covering a Duke Johnson trade request in June. Like, okay, if this is the Browns two years ago. No one gives one bleep about a Duke Johnson trade. On the schedule thing I'd point out, too, with the Colts, like at at L.A., at Tennessee to open, and then they close with three or four on the road. Not that this is a – you know, four, they got lucky, I guess, because, um, you know, there none of those games is in bad weather, which we saw them kind of deal with a little bit in Kansas City, you know, at Tampa Bay, at New, yeah. Orleans, at New Orleans, and at Jacksonville with the Panthers. Oh, in there, I know. forgot, at Pittsburgh. And, like, yeah, I know Ben's, like, 60 years old, but, like, he drops 50 on the Colts every time. Yep. Every time. Um, and that's, a, that's, a, that's like a monkey off the bat kind of game. I mean, they're like the Pittsburgh Steelers have won like four or five in a row lopsided games mm. against luck. So that's another one. I mean, throw that on the map in terms of a game that this team needs to step up for. Um, all right. I want to ask you about this and we'll get you out of here on this, but it is, well, maybe I'll probably ask you for a prediction on over under total wins. But first, I'm curious. I mentioned the culture with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich. And I think, I think it's a unique position for you as a guy who covers this team in that market with these kind of guys who appear very honest and forthright and and very different than maybe other regimes you have seen in Indianapolis. Am I, am I, am I assessing? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> I don't know. I could be talking about anybody. <laughs> go back, oh, go right, back, go right, back 30 right. years. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but can you sort of, I guess people don't understand because I don't think Chris Ballard and Frank Wright are really on the national radar. And so I, I wonder what is the experience working with those guys as as someone who covers the team and and you know and with them coming in when this team was at an all-time low with Andrew Luck looking like he might never play football again and you know the, right. the, the the state of the franchise being in total turmoil I'm just sort of curious from a national perspective how that how that looks Yeah that's a really good question and a really good point because it's very fortuitous how this all played out and I think you got to give Jim Mercy a lot of credit I think on the national stage, he's very much ridiculed and made fun of. In Indy, the, the, the people love him here. I will say that. That's a fact. They really do love the owner. He goes out and he hires Chris Ballard, and, and, and he gives Chris Ballard the time and sort of the patience he needs. Because if Ballard told him, look, this is going to take like four or five years. And Chris had been courted by other teams, and he kind of backed away from those GM jobs because he didn't think the owner would have the patience he needed to really do this right. And, and as you mentioned, this was a mess. They were not in just salary cap hell. The roster was terrible. Luck was in the training room six days a week. It was bad, and it was really bad. And sometimes you don't see that from a beat writer's perspective until sure. you see the other side. I mean, Chris Ballard has invited the beat writers into the draft room after the last two drafts and shown us tape of every player and asked a lot of, and answered a lot of questions, both on and off the record. But you can imagine, just from your perspective, how helpful that is in terms of understanding the tape and the football technique and all that information that the GM sees. I mean, I mean that's, um, that's that would that's, not have that would not have happened under the previous GM. That would not have happened under Bill Polian. No. Not in a million years. I mean, that's, but that's something, um, that's something you could go. You could spend twenty five years covering the NFL on a beat, or I mean, maybe let's say you do ten years covering the NFL from any any angle you want, and you might not get invited into a GM's office to watch tape of his draft picks. That just doesn't happen that often. Yeah, and and I don't I don't say that for granted. And I've told Chris this: like we do not 
like overlook the fact that you do that. And look, we disagreed with Ballard on certain things, and that doesn't mean he's immune from criticism. I mean, the Scott Tolzien thing early in his career was an absolute mess. They <laughs> totally screwed that up. He's whipped on draft picks. So we're not going to gloss over the mistakes, but overwhelmingly he's had unbelievable success in the draft. They've had really good success in free agency. Look at a guy like Eric Ebron, whose career has been completely just like reborn. I mean, he was a pro bowler this year after becoming, you know, I mean, my, my buddy in Detroit, Dave Burkett wrote that he was the number one most hated guy in Detroit. So he comes to Indy and makes a pro bowl and, and sort of, you know, um, changes his career. So he's had that impact in the locker room. Um, but I will say this about Frank Reich, and I'm not just saying this because I cover the team. I think he might be the best guy in the NFL, like the best wow. human being. I mean, I have not met many like him. I mean, he is just – hes I mean, the, the guys in Buffalo will tell you this. The guys in Philly will tell you this. Um, and he's a head coach, and he's a football guy, and he talks – you know, he says what head coaches say. He doesn't like talking about injuries, but, like, in terms of – like, he's the same guy every day. He's not trying to be anything he's not. He's not trying to impress you. He's just – He's just himself every day, and that's really refreshing. We never had any issues with Chuck Pagano before, but we just we weren't sure what we were going to get every day in terms of the mood and the rhetoric, and we heard a lot of cliches, and after a while you can't hear the words chopping wood again and again <laughs> and again. Um, and Frank Reich, I mean, I, I will be honest, like you, he's, just, he's, just, he's just a really good human being. And I talk to the players, and they say the same thing. And, and listen, my Col- you know my checks don't say Colts on. I'm not paid by the team. I'm not saying this because I'm trying to sound like a fanboy. He is just a good human being, and I think that really resonates in a place like Indy. And I think Jim Irsay, who pushed for this hiring after the McDaniel's fiasco, um, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because Chris has been openly honest about it. He says, "Look, sometimes things happen in crazy ways, and it is crazy how lucky the Colts got." to land Frank Reich in the situation they did. No, it's true because, as you pointed out, they only got Frank Reich and then only got Matt Eberfluss in addition to Frank Reich because, because of the Josh McDaniel situation. I, I talked to, I talked to Frank and I don't know, you know, he wouldn't know me from Adam, but, um, I talked to him briefly on the podium after the Eagles Super Bowl win, um, over the Patriots. And I, I like, I'm, I'm not, this will sound like typical Brinson hyperbole. But you could see it, like I mean, you could hear, like you're like, man, that dude, that dude can be a coach, like he can be a head coach. Just, oh yeah, just hearing like the way he was, you know, espousing the virtues of the the various coaching staff and like giving out praise, and and he was like, no, 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 this was our goal, and this is what we do. We never flinched in the face of pressure. And you could just tell that he, I mean, his experience as a quarterback and as a as a coordinator had put him in the position where he wasn't going to worry about. You know, certain things happening when he took the job as as a coach. Uh, all right. Well, I will, yeah. yeah and, I, mean, I mean, let me add one more thing because this, I don't think Frank would mind me telling us, but like, yeah. we're in the locker room in Foxborough and they're one in four and it's bad. I mean, it looks bad and they're throwing it 50 times a game and he's one in four as a head coach. And we're kind of talking casually with him. I think I grabbed him in the hallway and he's, and he's not on the record or anything, but he's just kind of like, we'll be fine. Like, he had this. He had this cockiness about him that wasn't overbearing, but it was kind of like, I think he's right, you know. And, and he yeah. never really flinched when they went one and four, one and five. Um, and then when you see it play out, when you see this team rip off nine out of ten wins, you're like, he knew what he was doing all along. Well, and then like that, but I mean, the game before that New England game was the the Texans game where he went for it in overtime, and everybody's like, Frank Reich's right. a, a lunatic. But I mean, he really did, and like he basically, for lack of a better phrase, put his put his 
put his nuts on the table and everybody, everybody in the locker room followed right behind him and sort of, it was a buy-in moment that, that, that eventually catapulted him, uh, into that playoff run. At the moment, I hated the call. Sure. Cause, cause I, I, it just makes no sense to me. Either. And then we go down to the locker room and we hear Luck talk and we hear Frank talk and he just gets up there and he says, look, I know you guys are going to ask about it. I'm going for that 10 out of 10. And then the next day after the dust settles and we all write whatever we write, he goes, look, maybe I wouldn't have gone for it 10 out of 10 times, but I'm still going for that. I still believe in my players. I talked to like 25 guys in the locker room and they're like, I loved it. We never heard that kind of stuff before. I mean, that's not a knock on Chuck Pagano, right. but that belief and that conviction in their head coach, that was the day it really solidified it to me that they're playing for this guy. And that's a real thing. That's like a real tangible thing in this league. Some yeah. coaches get a lot out of their players. Some don't. That's when I saw that these guys were really bought into Frank Reich. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think that's why – that's why you hate, you almost hate to see the hype if you're somebody who is hoping that the, the Colts can have a big year because you want, you, like it'd be nice for the Colts to fly under the radar a little bit. Uh, it, it is not the case. In Las Vegas, they are a, uh, projected 10 win team. It's moved up, I think it's, I think it's moved up from nine and a half to 10. 10 is plus 105, so the you know, expectation is maybe nine wins or 10 wins. Uh, that's a lot. If I, if I, you know, would you go right now, you know, knowing things can obviously change, would you go over or under 10 wins for the Indianapolis Colts? Let's assume there's no major injuries in training camp. They sure. don't lose like a T.Y. Hilton or an E.R. Hebron or will, Luck or anything. I would, I would kind of go with like 10 and a half. So I guess I'm going to take the over. Okay. But I'm, I'm just, I mean, I just think, you know, you're going to lose some games to this elite quarterback. I, I don't see him going into Kansas City and winning. We'll see what Kansas City's defense looks like by that point. But Mahomes just absolutely shredded up. It was like they'd never seen anything like Mahomes when they played it because they hadn't the entire season. Um, but, yeah, I think they're going to be right there. I think they're going to have a home playoff game, and, and I'm not ready to put them ahead of the two favorites in the AFC, that being New England and Kansas City. But I think it's going to be really fun, and, and I think Luck could make a run at the MVP. And if the defense continues to develop, I think they're going to have a chance to play late into January. I'm not ready to go further than that. Um, but a lot of things are stacking up for this team right now. There's, it's, it's hard to deny that. I'm with you. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take the under. I probably wouldn't bet my own personal money on the over, but I would, I would, I think if you get the Colts at a good price to win the division, that's the play. All right. Zach Kiefer, Indianapolis star. Thank you, my man. Uh, follow him at Z Kiefer on Twitter. Uh, anything else you want to plug? I mean, plug away by all means, if you want to. Yeah, I'm going to plug golf season for the next couple of weeks before training camp <laughs> How about that? Where are you? How about uh, that? I might be the first one who's ever done that on your podcast. No, I'm I'm here for golf season. Do you have you leveraged your uh your like your ability your your sports covering you know skills into 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 covering like a, a like golf events? Can you pull that off too, or is that is that are the editor saying no no to that? Yeah, so I um. I got this kind of gig with USA Today where I kind of helped them out from time to time. Sweet. So I got to cover this, this Masters tournament and a couple of weeks ago. Were you and, down and I got there? To Georgia. So, yeah. So, like, I think Tiger Woods run, if I remember correctly. So that was um, – that did not suck. I'll say that. Oh, and get this. It's oh, going to make no, you no, really no. angry. No, I know. I, you know what? I think I, uh, I saw this. You, you, won yeah. the, you won the media lottery, didn't you? Yeah, they let me play the course on Monday, which was um, oh my God. Which like is... a dream. It was like the entire day was like a dream. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that is the dream. What did you uh, would you shoot at Augusta? I shot ninety four. Couldn't putt, couldn't chip, but great. Uh, I wasn't going to let my bad play get in, get in the way of such an awesome day. I mean, I I, I think breaking a hundred there. 